welcome to the new MSology podcast series. I'm your host, Stephen Manners, editor of MSology. For this series, we've invited specialist MS nurses from across Canada to talk about some of the symptoms you may experience in your day-to-day life with MS. For this podcast, our topic is pain syndromes. And to talk about it, I'm very happy to welcome two guests, Colleen Harris from the MS Clinic in Calgary, Alberta, and Lynn McEwen from the MS Clinic in London, Ontario. So let's start with Lynn. What are the pain syndromes that people typically report living with MS? So there can be a number of different pain syndromes in MS. I think probably the most common would be neuropathic pain. Um, and so that's nerve pain? Nerve pain, pain absolutely. So, um, and that's probably more specific pain disorder related to their disease, probably more to do with sensory fibers. Um, and that can vary from different sensations of burning, itching, deep throbbing type pain. Um, and then there's other components that could be muscle skeletal type pain. So they could have uh, either joint pain or particularly low back pain, and that can be due to maybe some difficulties with their gait uh, that puts strain on joints or puts strain on the lower back, or people a bit more sedentary because of their other MS symptoms. Um, And then headache. Uh, Certainly we hear patients talk about headache. That's a bit more challenging because headache is extremely common in the general population. And obviously people with MS can get migraines uh, and other forms of headache. But we certainly do hear patients talk about headache. Um, uh, Trigeminal neuralgia. Trigeminal neuralgia, you can see it um, in general population, but often we see it in the elderly. But when we see a young person with trigeminal neuralgia, uh, it's it's more likely related to MS. And this is the type of pain syndrome that um, comes from the trigeminal nerve, which is a cranial facial nerve that can cause a very intense shooting pain, uh, either along the jawline or the cheek, and often brought about by movement of the face or touch of the face. And it can be very intense. Uh, So that's um, another very specific sort of related MS type pain. Now, Colleen, are there different approaches to these different types of pain syndromes? Um, Neuropathic or nerve pain, how do you manage that? Uh, What can you do for it? So if your neuropathic pain is significant enough that it's interfering with your sleep, with your activities of daily living, walking, um, sitting, um, or it's just causing you significant distress, Um, we tend to use medications to help treat this. We don't use medications like morphine or other narcotics. Um, This type of pain is also not well treated by anti-inflammatory medications. So when you say anti-inflammatories, you mean like aspirin and NSAIDs? That's uh, right, correct. Ibuprofen and so on? Ibuprofen. However, there are classes of drugs that are used to treat epilepsy um, the anticonvulsant medications can be very helpful in treating some of these uh, neuropathic pain um, type conditions, as well as 
certain classes of uh, antidepressants can also be useful. Okay. Um, so we start our pain management by the lowest uh, effective dose and we'll slowly escalate up. Medications such as gabapentin, which is an anticonvulsant, Tegretol, which, uh, or car carbamazepine, also known as carbamazepine. Um, we start in low doses and gradually escalate up until the neuropathic pain starts to respond. We, some of these medications are sedating, so often it takes a period of time because we go very slowly to allow the body to adjust to the medication um, until we get ideal pain management. So that may take a, a several weeks, I would guess. That's correct. And some medications work quicker than others, but they may have other side effects that we'd like to avoid, like sedation or dizziness. Okay. Um, so it's very much individualized that you'll try one thing and uh, try it over several weeks get them up to a certain dose, and if it's not working, maybe try something else. That's correct. And it's a very much a trial and error thing, I guess. It is, and, it, and it, patients have to be patient patients because it is, um, you know, it, they'll get a much better outcome if they titrate up slowly rather than jumping from one medication to another. Okay. Give the one they're working on a bit of a chance to get to that ideal dose. Okay, now then um, some people would say, why not just try uh, cannabis or one of the cannabis products, the oils or smoking it? Um, does that work? Um, well, it depends on the individual. It's just like your um, neuropathic medications that Colleen just talked about. It's very individualized. Um, and if people use um, cannabis, it's, it's often better if they look at it as an adjunct therapy. Um, to try to optimize what their current therapy is. And also depends on their tolerance to various medications as well. Um, but if some patients find that they do have benefit um, from, from cannabis, um, then, uh, then it, it can be reasonable to use it. Uh, the difficulty is sometimes cost. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully most of the standard therapies uh, will be covered under a drug plan or provincial plans, uh, though cannabis is something that patients have to pay out of pocket. Mm -hmm. uh, but the starting point, Colleen, would be to start with one of the medications that their doctor prescribes and then maybe think about, maybe talk to their, their MS nurse about adding on uh, a cannabis-type oil uh, if that's what they want to do. Is that the idea? Well, they, they could discuss it with us, but I often leave the initiation um, and prescribing of cannabis to health professionals, and there are those available who are used of um, prescribing the various cannabis products. Um, we're not in the traditional health field trained on helping patients regulate or balance their um, oral cannabis or inhaled cannabis. Um, and there are often patients who are most successful, I have found, um, with cannabis have gone to um, cannabis clinics used to, where there is a physician okay. who balances the CBD 
oil or products with the THC, so there's less sedation. Okay. I myself don't go down that road because I don't have the background, but patients have been successful with adding this to their pain medications, usually have gotten advice from people experienced in the field. And now that marijuana has been legalized in Canada at least, I guess we'll see more of that, that people will be uh, uh, trying their experiments. But the thing is, they can't travel with it. So um, it, it would be important for them to have other medications for their pain, especially if yep. they are going to travel outside the country. Um, Good point. Yeah. Okay, so that's the, what about musculoskeletal pain, um, aches and pains in the joints and so on? Um, Probably the best is, is identifying where the origin is coming from. So if they have low back pain, is it because they have a weak leg or is it due to spasticity? And that's where a referral to a physiotherapist is quite beneficial so they can evaluate them and determine where the origin is coming from and then hopefully treat that underlying problem. So in that situation, would a physio, for example, watch how you're walking and see if you're compensating for something and maybe you put your, your posture off or maybe that's causing Absolutely. problems? Yeah. Sometimes it's a slightly altered mm -hmm. gait that can cause profound back pain and spasm. And a physio would be able to watch them walk and maybe add a, a little lift to the shoe that could make the gait normalize the gait a bit more so they're not tugging on back muscles that normally aren't used yeah. that much when they walk and settle down some of this pain. They can be extremely helpful. Even the way they sit or sit at work or in their car can contribute to having significant pain. So they should watch their ergonomics. Mm -hmm. And what about exercises? Because presumably if they're building up their core strength, that would help with their back problems, for example. Mm -hmm. In very much so, and also um, therapies such as yoga, doing yoga, and stretching out joints that may be a bit stiff from even mild spasticity. Um, yoga has been reported to be extremely beneficial to individuals with MS. Some of the simple stretch maneuvers can make a big difference. Acupuncture, acupressure has also been used with success. Um, in managing some of the pain syndromes in MS. So is the onus on the individual with these different types of pain syndromes to, to, to seek out help, of course, and, and uh, patch into the resources in their community, but to try to, to find their own solutions in a sense because not everything will work for everybody. And, and the answer is probably very much personalized. Is that a fair statement? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what works for one individual may not work for another, but very often it's a combination. Um, I, I, it's often not just one drug therapy. Uh, so it is going back to maybe doing some drug therapy, uh, improving your overall health, um, maybe things like reducing stress, unfortunately, becomes a bit of a vicious cycle when people have chronic pain. They often have difficulty sleeping. It can also impact on one's mood and one's stress, one's anxiety. And then it just continues to contribute to those other factors. Um, so it's very important that you look at the whole person and try to identify those areas that you can help them modify and improve. Okay, now what about headaches and, and migraines and so on, and presumably tension headaches? 
Um, are there specific medications they should be taking or? So the treatment for migraine in MS is the same as it would be for the general public, for sure. There is evidence to suggest that people with MS have a higher reported rate of migraine. But there nowadays are many different classes of medications for migraine. Right. Um, they're even using Botox injections with great benefit um, to help with some of those um, chronic migraine yeah. conditions. So it would be important for patients to consult their family physician um, to keep you know, abreast of current treatments. Again, treatment for migraine, like everything else, healthy what lifestyle, um, try and avoid sustained stress, um, minimize excessive alcohol. Um, all of those are in, are in keeping with managing migraines and MS as well. Now, for a lot of these, these pain syndromes, should they be getting help from their MS clinic or should they be going to their family doctor? I think it's a combination of both. Okay. Um, neuropathic pain isn't unique to MS. Many conditions, many neurological conditions, even peripheral nerve conditions can cause neuropathic pain. Yeah. So family physicians, very, I think the majority should be familiar with medications used in neuropathic pain. Um, certainly you can see an MS specialist or a neurologist um, and they can make recommendations. They can sort of start you on a path of treatment recommendations. And I know I certainly do that with patients. I'll, I'll indicate, we'll start here, but I'll indicate what other things can be tried so then you can follow up with your community uh, practitioner. Mm -hmm. So hopefully it's more of a joint um, effort to manage these patients. Because sometimes it does take a lot of tweaking of medications, such as Colleen mentioned. Um, and for many of us, uh, it's, it, they're specialty clinics. It's, it's difficult to get frequent appointments. Um, and for many patients, also distance is a factor as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, is there a lot of, of people suffering in silence? And they're not getting the help they need, Colleen? I believe there still are um, some people who suffer in silence. There, Patients have, or people have different thresholds for pain tolerance. And some people can get to a point where they're living with pain and they don't have insight into how it's impacting their relationships, their ability to perform in the workplace, and sleep. I think that we've done a much better job lately of educating the people that we see about pain occurrence. It used to be, oh, well, MS isn't a painful disease, and that is indeed not the case. Um, and so educating patients, explaining to them why pain may occur, I think has brought many of these people who sort of brave it on to us for some strategies to help manage it. And I think that's very important. Because they may not have been aware that there is anything for them. That's exactly right. And also expectations as well. I think the reality sometimes is one can't completely um, take the pain syndrome away. But it's really a, a matter of managing the pain um, in that one can carry on with their life. 
Uh, and there may be, it's like any, any symptom. Um, there can be fluctuations. Some days are better than others. Yeah. Um, but if you have, if patients are educated on what those triggers might be, um, be able to incorporate other, other um, management skills rather than just relying on medication. I think that gives them the tools to self-manage their own symptoms. Okay, very good. Any, any final thoughts before we close? I don't think we can stress enough how important it is to stay healthy, well, and active for managing so many symptoms, but per, indeed for pain as well. We don't want people, because they have pain, to be immobile or inactive or not take part in life. Um, getting out and living a normal life and, and being following all the wellness strategies that are very, very important for all aspects of MS are important for this symptom as well. Okay, very good. Well, thank you. That's all we have time for in this podcast, but tune into the other podcasts in this series to learn more about other MS symptoms. I'd like to thank today's guests, Colleen Harris from Calgary, Alberta, and Lynn McEwen from London, Ontario. This podcast was produced by Anse Michel. All of the technical production was by Raphael Cavalieri. And a special thanks to Kate Stella for her work on the program. I'm Stephen Matters.